This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 207, and it's another installment of the Movement Series. Today, I am joined by Steph Dykstra, creative director and martial arts coach at Iron Lion Training. She is here talking about her relationship with her body through various sports, including boxing and powerlifting, how she was able to develop a really great relationship with movement, how movement can be an outlet for emotions, and how her facility leads with inclusivity. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 207. At first, I want to give a shout out to Cat and Girl for leaving this awesome review. The best, Summer is such a clever, understanding, compassionate, and enthusiastic voice shouting out against diet culture. She is like having your very own cheerleader in your corner, and that's why I love her podcasts. They are the best thing to binge on. I have learned so much from her. Thanks so much, Summer, for your amazing work. Thank you so much for that really, really kind review. I really, really appreciate that. If you haven't done so, definitely leave a review for the podcast. It helps others to find the show. It helps to keep the podcast on the air. You can do that by going to iTunes, searching for Eat the Rules and click ratings and reviews and then click to leave a review. You can also help me out by subscribing to this podcast via whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever else is out there now. If you haven't already done so, make sure you grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. I am so excited to have Steph on the show. Steph was actually my boxing coach about seven or eight years ago. I took a boxing program. I think it was like eight sessions long. And Steph was my coach. And she was incredible. I loved it because it was this really powerful, empowering environment where, you know, there was just no diet culture BS. It was about what your body could do. It was about it was really about like expressing emotions and, and just having fun. And so I have been following her ever since. I'm a huge fan of the stuff that she puts up on social media and just what she talks about, especially her reels that poke fun at diet culture. And if you go and check her out, you'll just see she has a lot of fun in terms of moving her body. And she's just a badass all around. And so I'm super excited to have stuff on the show today. I will say before I do the intro here, there are a couple of moments in this podcast where Steph mentions her weight. And that is in relation to when she was a professional boxer or competitive boxer. What would I say? Competitive? I guess she was a, yeah, she was a former champion. So when she was competing in both boxing and powerlifting, you are put in weight classes. So she kind of talks about her experience with that and navigating that as it relates to her body image. And so in that part of the story, she does mention her weight as well as like some of the behaviors that people do to get down to a particular weight class. So I just wanted to flag that out for you. If you're sensitive to that, then you feel free to skip over it. It's probably between about 15 to 20 minutes that that comes up. Or, you know, just if you notice like yourself kind of being triggered by that in any way, then just tell that voice to to get out of here. You don't need that in your life. You're better than that. 
That's why you're here. Okay, let's do this professional intro. Steph Dykstra is the co-founder, creative director, martial arts coach at Iron Lion Training. After 10 years of working in finance and insurance for major companies, Steph made the decision to pursue her joy of health and fitness full-time in 2012. From the office boardroom to the ring, Steph and her husband, Ron, have created a gym environment, Iron Lion Training, Inc., in which all bodies, abilities, ages, and stages of life are welcomed. Their main objective is to help people move better and feel better and live better. Steph offers a unique skill set and experience as she has both technical and practical knowledge as a former boxing and kickboxing champion and active powerlifting athlete. Examining and fine-tuning activity and nutrition while helping individuals be mindful of body, mind, and spirit, Steph takes care guiding clients along their individual fitness journeys while helping them feel strong and empowered along the way. Let's get started with this show. Hello, Steph. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Summer. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and dealing with all of my technical issues. (laughs) I I, I totally, I totally understand. So for those that, well, nobody would know this really, but I took one of Steph's boxing classes like years ago when I still lived Mm -hmm. in Toronto. So it was probably around seven or eight years ago now. And Mm -hmm. I just loved it. I loved your approach and you're probably one of my favorite people to follow on social media because you're hilarious. I know you probably do more on TikTok, but you do repost it on, I'm not on TikTok. So whatever is on Instagram is awesome. And you clearly have so much fun doing fitness stuff. So I think that that's like really lovely to see that you like to actually approach it from a place of play and fun. At least that's how I see it, especially with like your kettlebell juggling and stuff, which I think is extremely impressive. Thanks. I've had you fooled. Uh, Thank you for loving my foolishness. (laughs) 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 I do like to have fun. I do like to have fun. Life is short. So I feel like sometimes people get into movements that they don't really like because they're so fixated on a result. Whereas I like to stay consistent with movement. So I like to things that I like to do things that I actually look forward to and like want to know what the next thing is and work to progress and build big bases. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And we're definitely going to touch on a lot more of that in today's show. But why don't you tell everyone just a little bit more about how you got into training, how you got into boxing, all of that stuff. Like, well, growing up, I was a fairly like active, creative kid. And it was hard for me to find things that I could like get into fully. So I am the type of person that loves to get like, just get in there. And I'm also the type of person that doesn't really I'm fine laughing at myself and I'm, I've always been that way. So I think for me, it was always easy to try new things because I have that kid mentality where I don't care if I fail. I just feel good about trying things. So I've always been a martial arts junkie. And if you've read anything or heard me talk about my story, I had this fixation with blood sport and like the whole idea of like secret tournaments and like, you know, doing it for the honor of your stoshi and like, just the idea of that. And the more I looked into it, the more I saw that this wasn't really an arena for women. This was more like a bro dude, like brotherhood type thing. So I was also the kid where like, if you told me not to do something, I was for sure going to do it. If you didn't give me a good reason. So that made me want to learn about it even more, but it was difficult trying to get into it because I had to navigate that all on my own because my family has weird ideas about like gender and what girls should be doing and what boys should be doing. So it wasn't anything I really got support with, but once I like started in martial arts, I loved it and realized it was like an amazing outlet for other issues. So growing up, I didn't have the best family dynamic and like I was always the weird one out and everything I liked was just very strange to like my mom and my stepdad. I describe myself as a bit of a gender outlaw because a lot of the things I'm into and like tend to lean to the masculine part of the spectrum of what we see as gender. But like more recently coming around to gender is just a construct and we can like what we like. But at the time it was challenging to get into activities that I enjoyed. It was like, play the piano instead and be quiet and read and like, right. That kind of thing. Yeah. So I found my way, but it took a while. It took a while to find the right coaching. It took a while to get what I needed. And even when I got what I needed, I feel like I fought just to get taught. So it was like another layer. It wasn't like you could just go in and access the information you wanted to learn. You had to go into these spaces 
and fight misogyny and racism and all the isms, which made it a bit exhausting. But for whatever reason, my drive to learn outweighed those things. But what I was doing when I went to these places that weren't great fits was seeing the environment that I wanted to create and like looking back at my journey and how I learned about martial arts and where I learned about martial arts. My husband and I created a space that was different. So we like to say it's a place that you can get fit without the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so how did the martial arts then, how did you get into boxing? I was always like good with my hands. So like hand-eye coordination, I was, I'm really good at, I did step as a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that form of dance. So step and like Afro jazz and a lot of kind of dance things, but I started off in like Kung Fu, I know, and then Taekwondo. And when I studied these arts, the coaches were always excited by my hands because I was really good at like just naturally getting things very quickly. And then, like I said, it took me a while and there's a lot of stuff that happened in between before I actually put together the right formula. So I would get into these experiences and figure out what didn't work in them. So it's like, okay, I need this type of coach. I need this type of environment. I need somebody to help me with my nutrition. I need somebody. So once I started like gathering these tools of what would make me successful and enjoy it and that I can continue for the longevity, I was in my thirties, but that's when it came together. So I just went with it. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't realize yeah. like that it was that it took, you know, that you were in your thirties when you really kind of got into that. And uh, yeah, like I said, I did Taekwondo for a long time and I was working in offices, if you can imagine that. So I worked for <laughs> banks and insurance brokerages and I, I worked as an account manager. And a lot of times when I would see large clients, they'd be like, you look like you should be in like market. Like I just didn't fit. I didn't really fit yeah. anywhere. And there just came a point where I really hated what I did was, you know, everybody describes the shift in mindset as like, you realize your soul's being sucked from your body slowly and it's painful. And I remember the last position that I left, if I feel like when that happened, this like demon monkey just like flew off my back and it was like, okay, you're free, go have fun. And that's when I started my fitness journey and training a lot harder and, getting into personal training, because that seemed to be the career that would allow me to have clients part-time, but make enough income revenue to support competing. Because again, boxing, it's not expensive, but when you compete, it becomes expensive. And like, you have to pay for like little things here and there. And obviously being in my thirties, there's other (laughs) bills that need to be taken care of as well. So yeah, that's what happened in around 2012. I shifted and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's great. And so what was your relationship with your body like throughout, you know, your life? Like, did you always have a more, you know, were you always kind of like comfortable in your body or was that, was body image something that you struggled with? I think everybody struggles with body image. And I think at various points, and again, I speak a lot about the whole not fitting in. Mm-hmm. So like growing up, I had really big boobs and like the guys liked me too much and the girls hated me. And like, my early 20s, I got a breast reduction. And that was more, I researched what to say to the doctor so that I could get it approved by our healthcare system. But I don't think it's really truly how I felt. So my body image story goes back to my breasts, right? And cutting them off to make other people comfortable. And like, it's one of those things that like Seth now looks back at young Seth and was like, oh man, like I wish I had me there too. And like, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, I yeah, think I like, okay. okay. As much as you want. I think it was in therapy. The therapist was like, have you ever heard of a man cutting off a part of his dick because it was too big? And then I was just like, no. So like right then and there, I it's like, I had these, this part of my body that was natural and people pay to get this, but I paid to fit in because there's this constant trying to fit in and just not fitting in. And whether it be my interests, whether it be the types of things I was into. So like a super dorky Lego comic <laughs> kind of stuff. I just longed to fit in and eventually just had to create a place. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so when you say create a place, is that sort of like the community that you've created with the gym and stuff? 
Yeah, totally. So I was a bit of a gym rat during the time that I got into boxing. So I would frequent a lot of different gyms. And I, you know, when you're like driven to do something and you don't know why, but then you look back and you're like, oh, this is why. So I would frequent a lot of gyms, different types of gyms, weightlifting gyms, martial arts gyms, probably hit every gym in the city just to like change things up, try new equipment, that kind of stuff. But there was always something not quite right. It didn't quite feel like home. I could, I struggled trying to find this home for all the physical activity I like to do. And so that's when I was boxing, I was lucky enough to be mentored by Krista Scott Dixon. And one of part of my boxing journey was getting sponsors. So to get a sponsor, you have to create a story that people can buy into. And like a lot of people think when they get into something like there's parts of your evolution, but the first part is ego driven. Like you just want to let people know everything about you and what you know and everything like that. Whereas I was lucky enough to have guidance not to go into that part. I went into the community part right away. So we came up with the Iron Lioness, which was me, the fighter, but a lioness is supported by a group of badass women, right? And a lot of people could buy into that pride. That way, when I fought, it wasn't just like, oh, you're doing this because you're good at this. People would come out to support me. So like usually when I went to fight, there was like 20 or 25 people that were there just to support me because they felt part of my training process and what I was doing. And that's how the Iron Lion training eventually evolved into a place that we welcome everybody. Yeah, that's so cool. And so do you feel like that was really something that helped to like heal that part of you that felt like you never fit in, like just having that kind of, yeah, that, that community and around you and finding the stuff that you really loved? Well, it did, but it didn't because we touched on body image earlier. And even though I was really good at what I did. And, you know, I'm going to say professional because I was older. I wasn't a 19 year old kid who didn't know things. I was in my thirties. So I approached everything very methodically. There was still an overwhelming pressure to be smaller than I'm. So to, for frame of reference, I'm five, nine and the smallest weight I cut down to from 180 was 147. Wow. And yeah. yeah. And that was like, really, really strict dieting. And when I got down to that weight, I was celebrated way too much and nobody really checked up on me of like about the toll it was taking on me to consistently hit this weight to compete. So I would compete and win because I'm really strong, but I was never really satisfied with my performance because it usually came with really big weight cuts before weigh-ins and being super fatigued after and taking a while to recover. And again, being in my thirties, recovery is a little bit slower. I could recover and I could do all the things, but they cost me more. And there was a time that I had a fight and I cut down to just under 145 and like completely depleted. And somebody's coach walked by and other coaches talk about you like you are like toys. They don't really talk about you or to you like you're a person. So at this weight, I was sitting there and he walked by and he was like, oh, she's a big girl. And he kind of made a gesture. And at that point in my head, like something broke. It was just like, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. Like even getting down to this tiny weight for me. And honestly, Summer, I'm a person who likes big bodies. Like I like being in a big body. I like being large. I never really liked my body when I got down to that side because I was just a twig and like breasts were empty and like booty cheeks were really everything was just like it was just not what I was comfortable or happy in but it still wasn't good enough and then that's when I made the decision hey I just I gotta do this for me and I gotta make some changes so even though I was doing well and winning there was another shift that was happening and my eyes was was open to other things happening within the communities that I was part of Yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. I mean, I imagine it would be really, because you'd competed in weightlifting too, like to compete in a sport where there's weight classes, like, do you feel like, I don't know, do you still compete now? Like, is that something that you do? And if so, like, do you just kind of go wherever your body is at or is that still something that you try to balance? Well, it's difficult and I coach a team too. So I co-coach a team of power lifters who compete and there's weigh-ins and there's a lot of prep 
before the weigh-in to make sure everybody's okay. And there's a lot of prep after the weigh-in to make sure everybody's okay, because we know the toll it can take, especially on women. And some of our athletes are, they've competed in other sports, so they have the same baggage. So even though I'm in a good place, it's still consistent work. I still have to reframe negative or harmful thoughts in regards to diet culture or competing. So it's, again, it's one of those things that even though I have somewhat overcome it, it's still a lot of energy to be in a healthy mind frame, to not let the residue from all that stuff that's been put on us, because the stuff that's put on us is not just, you know, people use the word trigger and I don't like to use trigger because I feel like when you get to a certain place, you can reframe and try to approach those thoughts you might have in a different way, but it's still work and you still have to do it. And you still like, when you do it, you realize how much of it is on you because it's not just the sports you compete in. It's media. It's other people in the gym. It's other people during your weigh-ins. It's how like, so there's lots of things that can kind of put you back in that mind frame of hardcore weight cut. Let's not eat any carbs. Let's not, you know, let's run till we can't run. It's like just crazy. Let's go in the sauna with the sauna suit and jogging suit and shadow box. Like, and we work with so many women that feel the same. So like I had a client who is a former, well, she's a third degree black belt in Taekwondo, but like one day she looked in the mirror and didn't like what she saw. And her first thought was, well, I just won't eat lunch or dinner for two weeks. And, you know, right away, the healthy part of us is like, oh, and her healthy part was able to turn that thought around and be like, that's old me. I'm a new person now. And that doesn't really serve me or make this journey healthy. So I'm really glad that she shared that and other clients share how they turn those thoughts around. And we try to do that as best we can in our language and how we treat our clients at our, in our space. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's so like, I, yeah, I remember like when my hardcore dieting and fitness days, like I wasn't even competing anything, but in anything, but like, I thought I could follow like that type of like, you know, just mentality of like restriction and stuff. But it's like, your body can only do that for so long. And then it just like fights right back and it's not actually healthy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's just like, I know in athletics that, you know, it is something that sometimes like depending on the sport that like you actually have to be weighed in, like it's part of the sport. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk about just, yeah, changing people's relationship with fitness. Cause you mentioned some like really great stuff just up front. Like just, you mentioned like how it was really an outlet for other stuff for you. And I'm curious to know, like, Do you feel like that is something that you try to endorse with other people? Like, I feel like in my experience, in the short time that I had training with you for boxing, like that was definitely something that you encouraged us to do was to like, use that as an outlet and to be vocal. And I remember you being like, you're all so quiet. Like, come on, like make some noise when you punch. Like, I want to hear you, like, let it out. So yeah, I would just love to know, like, because I think a lot of people don't even think about it in that way that to use it as like an outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to say, especially for women, I feel like anybody who feels like they're not seen or heard needs to punch something once in a while. It's almost like you're expressing and like, I'm going to get gross. It's almost like all the grossness of our society and culture gets trapped somewhere in you. Do you know what I mean? And if you don't express it, it comes out in toxic ways, whether that be harm to yourself, whether it be bad thoughts you might have towards somebody else's body image, it comes out, right? So I feel like having a healthy way for it to come out, exercise is good. And like, I just know the joy that most of the people I train with get from slamming a ball on the ground. That's usually people's favorite when you do ball slams and they get to use all their energy and just slam something. And I know you like used to like smash scales. So that was was therapy (laughs) for you. But for me, being able to punch as hard as I want, make a noise. I don't want to say exercise is therapy because I don't, I think therapy is therapy, but I do think that exercise helps you get out a lot of stuff that sticks to you, whether it be your own, whether it be stuff your family members say, whether it be stuff your friends say, whether it be something you saw on TV, whether it be the teacher. Like there's, we, we all have all those things 
on us and we have to find ways to let it go. And I think boxing is an excellent way and it just feels good, especially as people who are told to be gentle and to be soft and to be quiet and to be polite and to be reserved. Like, I feel it's like an excellent way just to like, let it all out and go ham. Yeah. I find, especially like in people like coach, you know, anger is one of those emotions that's really hard to process and release. And I think I will often tell clients like punch a pillow or just like scream in your car. Scream in the pillow. Yeah. Scream, yeah, in, the pillow. scream in the pillow. Yeah. And, yeah. but yeah, I think trying to, you know, if you're into exercise or you're into fitness, like being able to use that as a way to channel it, it's so important because we've been told to just like hold it all in. And then like you said, it festers into toxic, like the way you said it turns into toxic waste, I just think is like such an accurate way of saying it. But it's hard because we've been told to not keep those things, which is why like it was really hard for anyone in your class to like make noise. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. everyone was like, eh, you know, like, just, <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. but I think yeah. it's just like, you know, it's just like, that's such conditioning, at least in the class that I took. I know it's probably different depending on. Like, no, it's <laughs> the same across the board because it's permission that you don't trust. And that's why the environment really makes a difference. Like you can see, even when I'm talking to you, I'm super chill. My goal in life is to be like surfer dude chill <laughs> because I feel like it puts other people at ease and they feel more comfortable sharing things with you. So we really try to put people at ease and make them feel like it's okay. And like we show how we do it. Or sometimes I'll pull up videos of other fighters that I'm, do you know what I mean? Like Clarissa Shields or like I'll bring up other athletes who make that noise that people find inspiring, but somehow they don't realize they're allowed to do it too. Like a Serena Williams, who's a, an amazing powerhouse of an athlete. Right. Who anytime she slams that ball, you hear that audible guttural, like, let's go. I think there's something like, uh, I got like cheek tingles. There's something spiritual also. It like kind of transcends the whole exercise thing. Just in that you just get to let it all out. Like anger, you mentioned anger is a tough one to deal with. And I think it's tough because it can cause damage if you hold on to it too long. So I feel like, and I've, I've been in front of women who repress so much that when they finally let it flow, they have memories that they've blocked out that they totally forgot about. In the 15 years I've been doing martial arts, I've seen how powerful it can be when people really give it everything and let go and be comfortable. But getting to that point is always challenging. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I like to do it when I do bench press. That's like my favorite time to just like, <laughs> yeah. a person. That I'm like. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 I've definitely like moved through some stuff when I've done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, we've, heard, we've heard the tales and the legends of the mama bear people who like their kids pinned under a car and can magically move a car and magically channel these strengths that they don't normally tap into. And like, I don't even, that kind of tap in, but yeah, just the letting go, which we all have trouble doing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love that. I love that. Cause you know, I think so many people struggle with at least, you know, a lot of people that are listening and my clients, like they struggle to really change their relationship with movement because they had always approached it from like this very aesthetic focused kind of self-deprecating or even like a place where it just feels like a, an expectation or a should, like, oh, I should be working out. I got to work out like this. And it's really hard to change that relationship with it and be able to do it from a place that's not driven by the way that you look and beating yourself into the ground and following like other people's rules that don't feel good for you. I'd love to know just like what your advice is for people who are in that sort of like transition, you know, and going from like, okay, I, I have a history of like sort of approaching this from an unhealthy mentality. What's your advice to like kind of starting from a new perspective? How would you advise them to do that? Starting from a new place is just like dating yourself again and getting into a relationship with your body and an honest relationship with your body, what your body needs and what you expect from your body. So I feel like it's a commitment contract. I feel like our body is really smart when it comes to movement. I don't think as trainers, coaches, we don't do anything magical. Like I know some of us like to think that we have the best program. And honestly, if you did 30 minutes of random activity, you would get a result. So understanding it's a journey of relearning. And you know, I've, it's weird. I've apologized to my body a lot because I've been unfair in terms of what I've given to my body and what I expected from my body. So 
you know, when we get to that place where we're ready for change, because not everybody's ready, willing, or able, and those three things are very important. And I feel like when people get to the ready, willing, and able stage, then I think the best place to start is with understanding that everything is a relationship and how you cultivate and foster those relationships means something. How you talk to yourself means something. How you exercise, moving deliberately means something. How you do it means something. So I feel like letting people know they can get more with doing less and having fun, usually if we're in a trusting phase of our relationship, people will, one, let go, and then two, start to build that new relationship. And then that new relationship that you build with yourself, you know, there's tons of things going on in the world and nobody knows where to start, right? Everybody's like, oh, racism, what do I do about that? And it's like, start with yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, homophobia, what do I do with that? It's like, start with yourself. It's everyday actions. It's constant work, but you get better at the work and it becomes less about work and more about just doing. And I feel like the same happens when you start this new path, which I love. It feels good. It feels better. It feels more authentic. It feels more me. And it's not about what anybody else wants. It's about what I want and how to keep myself moving. Because we know, the one thing we know that's true is consistency is the way to go. So it's like, what can I do that I can recover from and do things every day? When do I need rest? Uh, How does that rest look? So just building that relationship with yourself again. Yeah. And I think you mentioned the word consistency there, which I think, you know, like a lot of people sort of have that all or nothing mentality, you know, because it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then just totally goes out the window or because they're putting this huge expectation on themselves, then they just don't even do it because it's like perfectionism at play. So like, what's your advice to someone to help them overcome that, that all or nothing mentality? Yeah, totally. And like a lot of the things that we're talking about now, I've been on the other end of the spectrum. So that's really why I'm one of the people who are, is qualified to take you through. It's because it's like this, it's this really tricky path that I've gone through several times. And it's like, okay, I know it's down there. Don't go down there. Don't go to eating disorder. So let's go straight this way. Like, so things <laughs> like that. But I think the biggest one that when I tell people or when my husband and I try to coach people is minimums. So establishing that every day you have a minimum that you can do no matter what. So if you don't get to the gym because work was challenging, what's your minimum? So is that a 20-minute walk, deliberate walk, where you go at a, a pace that is a little bit challenging? Or if you can't get your whole, like if you're training for something like powerlifting and it's like you got to squat and then you got to do all your accessory work. And it's like sometimes just looking at the program is like, oh, I just, I can't. It's like, well, let me just go and do the warm up and do what I need to do. So the minimum for that workout is the warm up. Also, assessing how you recover is important. So knowing that, let's say I do this big workout and it takes me three days to recover where I feel like maybe I need to scale back that workout. So that's something that our team does a lot with programming. Our programming is, is, is customized. Even though it's different for everybody, we still dial it down or dial it up based on what people are going through. And that's important. A lot of trainers don't do that, especially younger trainers, because you need to check in to see what that person is going through in front of you. And sometimes it's like major fight with their partner, or they're not really connecting with their kid and they're fighting or work is really stressful. Or, and it's like, when I hear stuff like that, it's like, that is an indication for me to dial down the, the volume and the intensity. And that's what I do for them. In my own training, I do that as well. And like, you know, if they're having a great day and they feel great and they got like awesome sleep and they're like, I feel like a champ, then we're going to dial it up. But the most important thing is checking in daily with yourself and having your minimum. So in all the sports I competed at, the most important thing was just getting through the door. So just making that commitment that I'm just going to get through the door and do the warm up. And if I still don't feel it, then I won't do it. But usually if you do your warm up, then you're like, I can do part of it. I can do some of it. And something is always better than nothing. Even if you have that all or nothing mentality, I've been there where it's like, got to run 10K, got to do weight workout, got to do sauna, got to do, you know what I mean? Working out three times a day. And it's like, there are other parts of your life that need nurturing as well. And I don't feel like people should be unless, you know, you're paid to work out like that or you're paid to be, you're the rock and you have a role coming up and you have to do all those workouts right, right. And, and eat all those pancakes and sushi. But like for regular people, you have other relationships that need attention as well. And I don't think you should put 
too much attention on that part. It should be an attention that can be maintained consistently. And again, that starts with having a minimum. Yeah, that's great. I love that. You said so many good things there. It reminds me actually, my husband and I were talking this morning about how we're at this phase because we're both like, we're both in our forties and how we're just like, we just want to like be able to like maintain our strength and be able to do stuff. And like, we're not at the phase where we're like, oh yeah, I need to hit like a max, like a PR or whatever. Like we're just, Mm -hmm. we're like, those days are sort of behind us. We're like, we just want to like maintain what we have and like enjoy it and be able to go with the flow. And it's like such a better frame of mind, you know, to approach it for us at least. And that's the journey, the phase that I guess the season of our life that we're in, because I'm like, I don't want to break my body. You know, I injured myself so much when I was really into CrossFit in my late twenties, I think it was, I was injured so many times and I just, doing can I just say like woohoo for our 40s because you know again (laughs) society's like basically you're old and dried up if you're over 35 (laughs) but I honestly feel like it's like a different it's like a new better place like because you know yourself you know what you want you know what you don't want and like you're saying you know you don't want PRs you know you don't want injury you've been through it you're like that's fine yeah and you're kinder to your body because you know the cost is more Yes. Like I hear about people in their sixties and whatnot, who are like, their back is completely ruined. And it's like, oh, I really don't, you know, I mean, it might happen because some some of the stuff is totally outside of our control, but absolutely. (laughs) I just, you know, I'm not here to be a beast anymore. (laughs) I'm a beast in my own way in my life. Having having babies is pretty beastly. (laughs) Oh, I was the most in the labor room. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, hardcore. He came out. He came out. Talk about anger. He came out bushes like those. Wow. (laughs) Talk about releasing toxic waste. (laughs) Yeah. Oh wow. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. But and I also just love how you said to like you know assess your body that day that. Because I think we have this mentality where it's like, oh, I plan to do this. So I have to do this versus like, okay, like how's my nervous system today? And how do I need to adapt things to meet myself where I'm at? Because I feel like that's overlooked so much. (laughs) At least I overlooked that for a long time. Absolutely. The way my, my personal training is set up, like what I do, usually Monday and Friday, I do bigger workouts. I didn't really sleep that great last night. One of those nights where you wake up and you just don't really go back to sleep. And then I had like clients right away in the morning. And then when it was time to work out, I was like, I'm just going to foam roll and I'm going to stretch and I'm going to take a sauna later tonight. And I'm going to try to get some good sleep. And that's what I need right now. I don't need to be trying to tear apart my quads and trying to like, like you said, go beast mode. My body needs rest. My body needs to be pampered a little bit. So like, those are some decisions that I make for myself, but I see it in our programming with our coaches. You'll see the notations and like, we're all mini detectives. So like sometimes people, if they're in a mood and we ask too many questions, they'll be like, why are you asking me so many questions? It's like, I just want to know who's in front of me today. You know what I mean? I just want to know what we're working with. And I want to make sure I give you a good experience that's going to make you come back for class tomorrow and not wipe you out. Like, and I know some people who have become lifers with us who weren't particular gym people. That's what they really like about us when they're having bad days. They know we're going to listen and we're going to adapt. We're not just going to be like, okay, you're going to do burpees and jump on boxes and do all this stuff. We are going to take it easy on you or do something that just makes you feel better. So our goal is always to have you leave feeling better than when you came. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I wish like everyone needs to go to your gym and hire you. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's so refreshing. So like, what's your advice for someone who wants to move away from like aesthetic based goals? Like how do you sort of set goals with people that are not based around like body goals, quote unquote? Well, as a coach, I try to be not judgy. So I just whatever you start with, that's where we start. So some people do have aesthetic goals and that's fine, but we really try to challenge people with how we do our intakes. So both Ron and I use motivational interviewing and we really probe to get to the bottom and dig deeper. So for people not familiar with that method, a way you can think about it is asking five whys. Mm -hmm. This is something that the PN uh, model teaches a lot of. So it's like somebody comes in and they're like, I want six pack abs. Your next question is why? And then they say, and then you say why? And then usually if you keep digging, they'll be like, 
they'll tell you something that you'll be like, okay, we're just going to take our time and patience working on that particular thing. You won't, you don't necessarily have to tell them what you're thinking, but you know, you make yeah. a coaching note, but like, sometimes it's like, well, I want to be accepted or I want to attract somebody yeah. or I see that the people who have this type of body type, they get celebrated more. And like, and it's, that is then like, this is where we are now. And we meet you where we are. And then we just keep reinforcing and celebrating you. And my husband and I were talking this weekend about martial arts gyms. And one of the things, this is going somewhere, I promise, um, we talk about is champions are always celebrated. So if you are a part of a martial arts community and you are a higher belt or you compete and you win and you come in, people are always like, oh, they're so-and-so, they blah, 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 blah. And I would say it's equal to gyms where someone comes in and they're like North American ripped. So they look like a, a bodybuilder because that's what mm-hmm. everybody thinks about when they say ripped, low body fat, all muscle showing. And I've seen people react and treat people who look a certain way differently than they treat regular people. And that's always really bothered me because I've had clients who have maybe not confided in, but I pick up, there's an eating disorder. Yeah. And I notice a lot of people will see somebody who is in that shape and be like, oh, this person knows things and they have the secret and they did da, 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 da And they like, they get this false adoration. And that's like, this is a societal thing. Yeah. So in our space, we when we see that happening, because it happens, like we're conditioned, like even if you try not to do it, I think I'm a little bit, because I, I'm aware of it, I can, can, like like I said, turn it around more. But like I see people, somebody will come in who's in a certain type of shape and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so knows what they're doing. And then it's like, well, so-and-so doesn't eat. And so-and-so doesn't, like, I can't tell you that. So what I can do is celebrate other people for whatever they're doing as much as you celebrated that person. That's what we try to do. We celebrate bright spots and victories. If you were consistent this week, we make a big deal out of it. If you hit a weight you haven't hit, and it could be something small. It doesn't have to be like, you know, uh, world-class standings. If you did something that you couldn't do before, we make a huge deal out of it. We put you on social media. We put you in our newsletter. We like who run around the gym for you, play a song, clap. If you do something that is outside of the gym. That's really cool. Like you get a promotion, get a new job. We celebrate the things that matter and not the aesthetics so much. Now we do celebrate aesthetics because, you know, if somebody has a nice butt, a culture that we could be like, Whoa, butt's looking juicy today. Like things like that. But we don't necessarily celebrate the no fat, low fat bodybuilder mm-hmm. because we try just to change the narrative. And like, again, there's tons of times where my husband and I have to like redirect a conversation or just change the direction of the conversation or say, hey, maybe instead of saying this, we could say this. Sometimes people say the wrong things and they understand it like, oh, I don't know why that came out of my mouth. And rather than let it sit like a stinky turd, we kind of just take it and be like, I think what you meant was and like change the narrative on what was said. So when people say inclusive space, I think a lot of times they make it basic. Like they're like, oh, well, we have a brown one and we have a, this fat one and we have it. And that, that doesn't mean inclusive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Inclusive is your language. Inclusive is how you refer to exercises. Inclusive, you know what I mean? Like we don't have men exercises and lady push-ups and like all that type of foolish, foolishness. We don't do that foolishness. We do other foolishness, but not that particular foolishness in our space. And we constantly assess and adapt assess and adapt, assess and adapt. So we've made lots of changes. We've made mistakes. We've done the things, but we know that it's not just the clientele that you have that makes you exclusive. It's your program inclusive. It's your programming. It's your language. It's how you teach others your language. It's your social media. It's what you put out on your own personal social media. It's deeper than that. And it it comes from a very deep awareness that some people aren't willing to tap into and that's fine. But we try to continue that because again, working out can be powerful in that we're there when things are tough and we're encouraging you to keep moving forward. So you usually take that language. And when you're in something tough in the real world, outside of the gym, you're like, I can do it. I got mm-hmm. this. And like you say those, you rehearse those things. You say you coach yourself because you've been coached. And like, this is what we do with our language as well. 
Yeah. I love everything that you said there. And something that really stood out to me that I'm sort of taking away is that you really meet people where they're at and it's not like a space, like you have to be completely woke to fit in. Like you're taking people <laughs> no. on the journey. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. You are, I guess, I don't know if I'm articulating that right, but like, it sounds to me like, you know, like you can come in there and still really have, whether it's like internalized fat phobia or kind of be seeped in diet culture. And you're really kind of coaching people to move them and to start to think about things in different ways, which I think is a much needed thing. Cause you know, obviously there's a lot of fitness spaces that are sort of like, really like kind of expecting people to kind of already be there. And then there's yeah, fitness absolutely. spaces where people are like completely buying into diet culture and everything else. And so it sounds to me like you're kind of like this transition point, which I think is much, much needed. At least that's how I, I'm hearing it. Yeah. I, th- I think it is needed because it, it goes back to what you said earlier about all or nothing. We're not an all or nothing gym in terms of learning. And like, we have to meet people where they are. The worst thing that I, I hear, and like, I'm more on the business side than I'm on the training side now which I like, but I still like being a part of the training side. The worst thing that any trainer or any coach has ever heard is when you invite somebody to train and they're like, oh, I have to get in shape before I go to the gym. And that's not how it works. Like if you go to therapy, you don't say, I have to get my shit together before I go to therapy. No, you go to therapy, but you know what I mean? And you get messy and you get it together there. So that's why we really try to make people comfortable, try to keep people welcoming because I love working out. I was always that kid. I think I still am that kid at 40, likes to exercise, likes to try new things. But I I understand that not everybody is like that, but I would like them to find what works for them. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, obviously everyone wants to sign up with you. Where can people find out more? And do you do online training? Because obviously people are listening to this from all around the world. Right. I do online training. Our team does online training. So we have two other coaches and my husband also coaches. But in terms of like classes, boxing, martial arts, I do think that kettlebell, the way I do it falls into like martial arts too, just with the flow and breathing and things like that. So if you visit our website, www.ironlientraining.ca, you can find a class schedule and we offer both virtual and in-person training. So you can see me virtually. You'll see people in the studio behind me. It really reminds me of Taibo, which I know, I don't know why it became, (laughs) I don't know why it became taboo because Taibo was so fun, right? Everybody in the Billy Blanks video was having a great time. He had his daughters in it and he would like focus on them and they'd be kicking, they'd be like, yeah, and you're like, I want to do that too. Like, so it's like Taibo, but you're learning like, I don't want to say you're not, you weren't learning with Billy Blanks, but you're not in your basement hiding and feeling like you're silly doing typo. There's other people who are punching the bags. You get to learn like a dope skill. And like boxing is just a killer skill because I gamify it a lot. It's good for your brain. There's lots of research that and studies that show that it's good for aging populations because of the hand-eye coordination, memory, all that stuff. But yeah, I do teach classes. So you can find, I do classes in the morning. I do classes in the afternoon. I do class, classes in the evening. Not every day you would have to like pick and choose and you can work with me that way. I do have groups of people that I train on the psychology part of it. So we do kind of dive into eating and sleep management and stress management, particular to the individuals, because a lot of programs don't do that. They just assume everybody is starting at the same place and everybody has the same like environmental support and like things like that. And it's not, it's different for different people. So that's, you get a little bit more detailed approach when we work that way. We do use the PN model. So we use PN Pro Coach, but we do have people that don't go on Pro Coach, but we still use some of those habits. So PN has really simple habit-based systems that we can use to help people get on the right path to learning about body positivity. And you know, it we're not perfect, right? And I have to keep saying that. And I say that because the idea of not being perfect really stops people from trying things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're going to circle back and tie everything together nicely, the one thing I said was I am of the character that I'm very childlike and that I'm not afraid to look foolish <laughs> and do foolish things. I know not everybody is like that, but I feel like when you're learning, you do have to adopt that playfulness to learn and to mess up and to fall on your face and know that you're fine and you're just learning. And this is just a part of the awkward stage, but there is something rewarding on the other side as somebody who's gone through it. And I can say that for building that relationship with your body and also for exercise, if you just stick through the goofy part where you're, you know, getting it wrong and 
you know, there's a clean slate rule that we have where like, you know, you party too hard and it's like, well, the next day, clean slate, like start again. Like every day is a clean slate, start again until you get it consistent. And that's going to take time, but you can do it. And there are people like me out there that can help. And it's like, how do you find people like me? You can find me, obviously. I'm the best me you can find, but the fine coaches that have similar values, we are in an information society. And I think it's hilarious. Like when somebody's dating somebody, the friends are like Sherlock, right? We're like on the person's Facebook page. We're on their Twitter. We're like trying to <laughs> going back like years, trying to like just doing all the digging and all the dirt. And I feel like you need to do that with your the healthcare practitioners you find as well. Yes. So, you know, when you find a coach, look at the reviews, look at who they've worked with, make sure they're a good fit for you. Don't pick a coach that you want to look like. That's not how the whole journey works. And find a space that works for you. That also matters, the environment that you work in, and then get to it. But take your time because this is an important relationship. And I, I think it's probably one of the most important relationships you'll have. So take your time and build it slowly. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Do you want to just give your social media handles really quick? Sure. I'm the Iron Lioness online. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm most active on Instagram. I dabble on TikTok, but the handle is all the same across the board. It's Steph Iron Lioness. I am the co-owner and creative director for Iron Lion Training. So Iron Lion Training is our space and like our philosophy. So you can find us on Instagram under Iron Lion Training. Yeah. Or you can visit our website and all our socials are attached to that. And you can check out our reviews there. And we have really cool blogs and podcasts as well. Not as many as you. We only have five episodes. I am the podcast team and you know, I got, I got like a lot of hats on, so we don't uh, get yeah. as many out as you do, but I'm happy that I could, like I said, I do get asked to be on podcasts and I say no a lot more than I say yes. And Summer, I've been following what you do and how you do it. I love your approach. I love the whole smash the scale. I feel like there's more we can get out of this whole health and wellness than it offers to us. And I'm happy that there are gems like you out there that do what you do. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And likewise, you know, I know I only trained with you for, it was probably around eight weeks or something, but it made an impact. And I've, I just love following you. I just think I love your energy. I love the playfulness and like your humor. I just, your humor is just the best. Like your reels are the best. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you'd be an incredible trainer to have. So for anyone looking for classes and stuff, then definitely check out staff. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Before you kick me out, I just want to say not just people looking for a trainer. If you're a trainer who wants to change the way you do things, I also, yeah, I also coach people in that area as well. So I've been doing this for 15 years. And prior to this, I was in corporate, the corporate world. So I get all the sales stuff and how that can impact how we approach clients, but I do feel there's a better way you can do it. And I feel like when you do it a better way, you get the client's that you want and need and that you can really help. So I also coach in that area too. Awesome. That's so needed. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really oh, my pleasure. that. Rock on. Thanks so much. If you are looking for some boxing classes or other movement classes or someone to train you and be your personal trainer, or if you want to get into more strength-oriented stuff, then definitely check out Steph and their gym, Iron Lion Training. And they work with people all over the world virtually. So that's the beauty of it now. And then if you're in Toronto, then definitely check out the facility. I for sure would be there, but I'm on the other side of the country, so I won't be. (laughs) But yeah, it's just amazing that we have such great options for us now. We have a couple more great interviews coming up in the movement series. So stay tuned for that. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 207. Thank you so much for being here today. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.